So we're very, very grateful, very blessed. Thankful to be here today. And we have been thoughtful and prayerful about this service, thoughtful and prayerful about what it might be that God would have for us to say to you. You know, it's interesting when you come from pastoring 22 years at Community Evangel in Lincoln, Maine, and eight and a half years at Waypoint Church in Quispamsis, and now coming as a guest uh, for just this, just this little brief window of life and opportunity. I, I step into your life, and here I am, and in a half an hour or 45 minutes-ish, I'll step out of your life, and there he goes. And uh, what, it, what might it be, Lord, that is there something... Is there something that you'd bring us from Murray Corner to, to be able to share with these fine people in Bathurst, New Brunswick? And so, that's been my prayer. That's been my heart. Lord, may we bring something meaningful, something from you, something in your heart for these people. And that's been my prayer, and it is my prayer as we come to share this message. So, would you join your hearts in prayer with me? Let's just commit these next minutes to the Lord. Father, with grateful hearts, Lord, we come to you today. Uh, thank you for the privilege. Lord, from just uh, an adolescent, I, I wondered if it might be that someday that I might be able to preach the gospel. That's a long, long time ago now, and I thank you, Lord, that I've continued to carry the, just the wonder and the appreciation, the privilege of getting to stand before these people today and share your word. So I thank you and I praise you, Lord. I pray that our words will be meaningful. I pray that you'll open the hearts of each one that's here. I pray that their hearts would be attentive, not so much to my voice and my words, but that the Holy Spirit might be present and speaking and ministering into the hearts of these people. Lord, be glorified in these moments. Let your word pierce into our hearts. And I pray that, Lord, you would prepare us. Lord, this church and our churches across the Maritimes are preparing to enter a fall season, a fall season of ministry and focus a summer is passing and a new season's coming. And I pray that, Lord, our message today might in some way help prepare us for the coming season, that it might be fruitful, that it might be meaningful, that it might be effective, that, Lord, there might be souls won for your kingdom, that some would be rescued and saved, we pray. And so, Lord, we commit these moments to you. Be glorified in them, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible or maybe on your device, uh, I'm going to read in a few moments from Amos, the sixth chapter. They call them minor prophets, but their message is important. Their message was important those many years ago, and we can learn much from their message today. Amos chapter six in just a moment. So, Coming from Maine, uh, growing up uh, really in the Maine woods, uh, there was a lot of hunting around uh, when I was growing up, and I always, 
I always wanted to fancy myself as a hunter. I wanted to see myself as a hunter. And I don't know if we have any hunters in the room. You have some, some uh, fluorescent orange that you keep hidden away and you get out special times of the year. But I, I always wanted to be and always thought of myself as a hunter, but I'll just tell you a little secret. I'm not really what they would call a hunter. We have in Maine, uh, and you may have it in New Brunswick, this thing that we call heater hunting. Anybody know what I mean by, by heater hunting? A heater hunter. Uh, you, a heater hunter basically doesn't get out of the truck. He sits in the cab of the truck with a heater on full, window rolled down, gun at his side, and if anything's unfortunate enough, although they're fairly safe, unfortunate enough to step out into the road in front of us, then we'll scramble to get a cartridge, get out of the truck, get a cartridge, try to load the rifle, and if it's still standing there, we take a shot at it. That's, that's heater hunting. I'm not much one for the woods, and I love hunting. I know. It's, it's just an awful thing. I, I have a horrible sense of direction. And I, I, can, I can go in the woods, and if I lose sight of the road, I'm in trouble. I mean, I, I'm just not good in the woods. And so my friend Herschel, uh, Herschel is a great hunter. He's hunted all his life in the very northernmost parts of Maine. And I go hunting with Herschel. And when I go hunting with Herschel, Herschel has to get into the woods. And Herschel's always wanting to me, to me to go in the woods with him. And he'll stop the truck and say, come on, Tim, let's go for a walk. And I say, Herschel, you can go for a walk. But you drop me right here on this road, this woods road, and when you get done your walk, I'll be right here. If it's an hour, if it's three hours, if it's three days later, I'll be right here. And you come and get me. Promise me you'll come and get me. So Herschel will off the road. He goes and he goes down into the woods and he's put me at a, at a very strategic place up on a little knoll and if I stand right I can see some down this way and I can see some down that way and you know just you kind of watch both ways and so I have my, my rifle and you know every, every hunter has the next most important thing, maybe more important thing, has a lunchbox. And so I have my rifle in my lunchbox, and, uh, you know, off Herschel goes, and he's going through the woods, and, you know, 10 or 15 goes, minutes go by, and I'm diligent. I'm watching. I'm paying attention. You know, any little bird ruffles a, a, a leaf, I, can, I notice it, and I see everything happening. And, but, you know, as, as 15 minutes, 20 minutes, you know, when you're in the woods alone, and you're just standing there, and, you know, 30 minutes can be a long time. And uh, so 30 minutes goes by, and all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get a little bored because there's nothing going on. You know, there's just no action. There's no deer in these woods. You know, so uh, what do you do? You head for the lunchbox, right? And uh, so I just, you know, still watching, careful, set the, set the rifle down. And, and one day, this, this is exa exactly what happened. I got complacent. I just, uh, you know... Just got bored and, and uh, set my rifle down, opened the lunchbox, you know, got a fiddling around, get a snack, pull out the snack, get going, look up, and there's Mr. Buck staring right at me. And, you know, in that moment, 
you kind of lose all touch of reality and you know you just kind of adrenaline takes over and I drop my snack and go to get my gun and you know you know I'm you know fumbling a bit and I'm nervous and it's adrenaline I'm getting my gun and I get back up and I look and Mr. Buck is long gone and you know wouldn't you know right right at the moment you know I just I just I just just for a moment I just got casual, you know, I just, I got a bit bored, I, I got a bit, we'll use the word complacent, because it's a word that, that I want to share some about with you today. I got complacent, and that complacency cost me, it cost me an opportunity, because in all that time that I've been standing there, if I'd stayed vigilant just a little longer, if I'd, if I'd have just stayed engaged a little longer, if I'd have just been alert a little longer, and not got distracted, and not got bored, not got complacent, not let my guard down, it might have been that I might have been ready for that moment when that buck stepped out into that road and it's just, it's just literally seconds as they cross that road that you have. And instead of seconds spent on sighting in the rifle and getting hopefully a good shot, I had a snack. One of the things that those who hunt often will tell you is that you always, always need to be prepared. Because when the opportunity arises, it may only be there for a moment, and you need to be ready. So I missed an opportunity that day because I was complacent when I should have felt the urgency of the moment. I should have reminded myself, Tim, at any second... It could be the window that you have, the only window you'll have all day, all of this effort, and you'll have this window. And you know, the Bible has a lot to say about complacency, and it has a lot to say about urgency, and that's what I want to talk to you about for just a few moments this morning, maybe another 30 minutes, 25, 30 minutes, if you'll give me that, to just share with you about complacency and urgency. The Scripture makes it very clear that one is God's plan for our life, one is something that God wants to equip us all with and wants operating and present in our lives, and the other is Satan's tool to dull our senses, to distract us, to make us either ineffective or less effective than we possibly could be for the kingdom of God. So Amos chapter 6, if you have it, I'm going to begin reading at verse 1. And the prophet says, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion and trust in Mount Samaria, notable persons in the chief nation to whom the house of Israel comes. Go over to Kalna and see, and from there go to Hamath the Great. Uh, Amos is, is challenging the people to consider other neighboring cities 
and the calamity that befell them. And so he says, go to Calna and uh, consider Hamath the Great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Or is their territory greater than your territory? Woe to you who put far off the day of doom, who caused the seed of violence to come near, who lie on beds of ivory. Could you ask for anything more than a bed of ivory, right? Who lay on, imagine, beds of ivory. Stretch out on your couches. That's bad language for Sunday morning church, I know, but stretch out on your couches. Eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall who sing idly to the sound of stringed instruments and invent for yourselves musical instruments like David, who drink wine, not from cups, not from little cups, but from bowls, and anoint yourselves with the best ointments but are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Therefore they, shall know, therefore they shall now go captive as the first of the captives, and those who recline at banquets shall be removed. The Lord God has sworn by Himself, the Lord God of hosts says, I abhor the pride of Jacob and hate his palaces. Therefore I will deliver up the city and all that is in it. You see, the prophet Amos pronounces a stern warning to the inhabitants of Zion and Samaria. And his warning immediately shows the contrast between God's thinking and man's thinking. Man's thinking would be, isn't the whole point of life to get to a place of ease? Isn't the whole journey about Maybe someday, a bed of ivory. Wow. I don't know if you have any ivory in your house. I don't know if you know much about ivory. It's precious. It's scarce. It's rare. A whole bed made of ivory. Man's thinking isn't the whole point to come to this place of ease and to find a spot in life where you can finally rest, relax, be at your leisure? Isn't that the whole point? That we want comfort. We want just to be happy. We, we, our whole goal is lack of trouble. But the prophet cries the opposite. In effect, he's, he reveals the heart of God. He says, woe to you who are at ease and those who trust in Mount Samaria. You see, complacency. Complacency was their path to destruction. It was that way for Zion. It is that way for us today. Complacency is a path to destruction. Amos says to look at the other nations who thought that they were invincible, who thought they were secure from their enemies, but they were simply self-deceived. Because they were not secure. They were only secure in their own minds. They created a fallacy. And rather than being secure, they were vulnerable. And ultimately, they were defeated. And their complacency was to blame. You see, complacency will wreak havoc with 
any army. Think about history with me for a moment. I don't know if you know much about pirate history and, and uh, the Spanish main, but uh, I've read a few history books and read how that when, when pirates often would attack these little towns along the coast of South America and in the Caribbean, Spanish outposts, often they would find little to no resistance. You know why? Because complacency had set in. Because when they attacked these little outposts that had forts and had protection, but when they attacked them, all the powder was wet. And all the cannonballs were rusted together. And all the soldiers were untrained and, and were in disarray to think that a, that, a, that a pirate ship had come to their harbor. That had never happened to them before. They were simply caught off guard. They had the means. They had the tools. They had the armament. But their leisure and their callousness, their comfort, their ease, their complacency was their doom. And because of complacency, though they might have protected themselves, though they might have been able to fight off the impending army, rather than that, they were easily defeated. Why? Because they simply didn't pay attention. Rather than keep the powder dry and ready for a moment's notice, rather than keep the cannonballs oiled and ready for use at a moment's notice. They hadn't needed them for maybe years, and so they simply, can I say it? They simply lost interest. They just lost interest. It was, they, they, come, they came to feel it was just unnecessary effort. Why? I don't need to do that. There's no reason for me to put that effort. I'll just be at ease. My bed of ivory. And it describes it, drinking wine from bowls. And so it all leads to this, this lackadaisical attitude. You see, spiritual complacency. Can we think about, can we think about for a moment our lives? Can we think about for a moment our church? Can we think about the church at large, not, not simply Evangel Bathurst, but think about the church at large? It seems to me there's a concern that I have from my own heart and have it the heart for the heart of believers and have it the concern for our church and churches today that there is that same temptation, there is that same danger and an impending cliff for me and for us. And let's just admit it this morning, folks. We live in a day of ease. Now, I understand, I understand that likely some of you in the room today, your life is not easy. And we have compassion towards that. But if we just zoom the lens out just a bit from maybe your personal journey, I think, about, I think about North American life and culture and North American lifestyle compared to the rest of the world. I don't know if you've ever taken trips to other countries and 
seeing how some of the rest of the world lives. And there's only one way to describe it, folks. When you, when you walk the dusty paths of South America, of other continents, of other places, I had the privilege twice to visit the country of Nigeria, and I worshipped and prayed and worked with believers there, and I saw the joy, and yet I saw the contrast, and I came to understand what a life of ease, and I would say that I'm privileged to live, and yet sometimes I wonder. I wonder at the privilege of the ease and the abundance. You know, for a while, Bonnie and I had two cars in our home. She had her car, I had mine. We've downsized to one. You do that as, you know, time goes on. But imagine, most of the rest of the world has never known what it is to own an automobile. And we had two. And so I'm not sure it's a privilege. Not, well, I thank God every time Bonnie and I pray together, we, we pause before our meals and we pray and, and uh, we ask God, we always acknowledge the blessings. And, I, and again, we understand that we are blessed. And yet I wonder if our blessing has an, in some ways we've allowed it to become a curse because it has brought some complacency. I fight it in my heart. I fight it in my life. I pray about it, and I ask God, Lord, please don't let me simply fall asleep when I should be on watch. Please don't let me become complacent when I should be on guard, ready at a moment's notice. Revelation chapter 3. Verse 14, it says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I'm rich. I've become wealthy. I have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And those are startling words. They're startling words. Because they're words that talk about sometimes how we see ourselves. Because you say, I'm rich, and I've become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And then it goes on to describe how God sees us, how the Lord sees them. And I wonder sometimes how He sees us. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. One of the great perils of complacency is deception. We believe lies. We believe things. We come to convince ourselves through telling ourselves repeatedly that we're okay that everything's okay, I'm rich, I'm wealthy, I'm increased with goods, I'm okay. We deceive ourselves, and we come to believe something that is untrue, that is simply not true about us. 
the Laodiceans had an opinion of themselves that was practically the opposite of what God thought of their lives and their spiritual condition. And so what's the answer? What's the answer for complacency? How do we deal with it? I know, as I've said, I deal with it in my own life. I can sense it at times. And I'm grateful for the sensitivity that allows me to be aware of it, but sometimes I wonder if I miss it. And so what's the answer? What's the... What's the... I could easily go on, but I'm going to say this. Don't ever forget. Always be grateful for crying babies in your church. Amen? Thank God there's a crying baby in Evangel Bathurst. Amen? Because when we lose our children, well, what do we have? We need our future. Amen? Commercial over. Let's keep going. Complacency. What's the answer? Well, the answer really is found in developing a sense of urgency, living with a sense of urgency in our lives. And the Scripture, as much as it has to say about complacency, it has to say about urgency. Joel chapter 2, another minor prophet, he says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm. You want to bring somebody out of complacency? Sound an alarm. Blow the trumpet. All I have is the picture in my mind. It's some childhood cartoon. I don't know if it was a cat or what it was, but he would get scared and he would claws to the roof, to the ceiling of the room. Who was it, Bonnie? You can't remember either, no. Just a, a, a child. But that, that alarm just brought him alive. And what's the answer to complacency? It's urgency. Joel goes on, let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, for it is at hand. First Thessalonians 5, Paul writes to the Christians in the town of Thessalonica, and he writes a letter to them. He writes he writes two, in fact, and this is the first one. And in the fifth chapter, as it's broken up of this letter, he says to them, these Christians, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. But you, but you brethren are not in darkness, thanks be to God, but you brethren are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch 
and be sober. What amazing admonitions to urgency. Joel cries, blow the trumpet and sound the alarm. Paul the apostle declares, watch and be sober. The apostles and Jesus himself declare the message four times. Jesus in the gospels tell those who would listen. He tells them, watch and pray. Watch and pray. He says in one place, watch and pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Watch and pray. It's the difference between complacency and urgency. And this is the simple message that I believe that God wants me to share with you and to deposit into your hearts as Evangel Bathurst prepares for a new season this fall as you step into what God has planned. He has placed you here, a beautiful light set on a hill as it were to this city and to this area. And God's message today in this little window of time is complacency and urgency. What does urgency do for us? What does it bring to us? Why does God want urgency? Well, urgency is the remedy for procrastination. I won't, I won't ask who the procrastinators are in the room. It'll take you a while to get your hand up anyway, so uh, I won't ask for the procrastinators but I'm sure you're with us. And you know what? Probably most of us have a bit of that in us, right? I mean, some things that we know we ought to do, and we just put it off. You know what the answer for procrastination is? Urgency. And usually that what's, that's what takes the procrastinator out of their delay and causes them to act, is that finally there comes a deadline. Finally, there comes some urgency. There's a do it or else. It might be a government deadline. Do it or else. It might be a spousal deadline. <laughs> Anybody ever have a spousal deadline? Do it or else. Huh? But it's, it's usually... Uh, some urgency that'll shake us out of delay. And maybe there's something in your life today. Maybe there's something in your heart today. Maybe there's some, some seed that God planted months, maybe years ago. And it's just kind of been there. Maybe God spoke a word to you. Maybe God put somebody on your heart. Maybe God challenged you to something. And you've just, you've just, you've just let it sit Rather than acting, you're, you've been procrastinating. I'm praying today, Father God, bring a fresh sense of urgency to my heart and to our hearts. What does urgency do for us? Urgency is the remedy for faithfulness. You know, it's a day where casual commitment is just the accepted norm. And faithfulness is sometimes in short supply today. 
But I've found the scripture hasn't changed when it comes to the challenge and the exhortation. I've never been able to forget the words of Jesus to the one when he said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Urgency is the remedy for faithfulness. Urgency is the remedy for a lack of involvement, for just kind of sitting on the sidelines. John chapter 9 and verse 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. I was so excited to hear about your upcoming Alpha. What an amazing opportunity. And I, I encourage you this morning, don't miss the window, the chance, the opportunity. Do we realize today that time is growing short? We don't know the day or the hour. In our hearts it seems that the coming of the Lord is nigh. I don't know the day. I do know this, that every day I live, I'm that much closer to the coming of Jesus. My lifetime or not, every day I live, I'm closer. And I'm praying, Lord, let there be a sense of urgency in my heart. Urgency is an attitude that's displayed by our behavior. And really there's only one remedy for complacency. And it's simply to repent and ask God's forgiveness and say, Lord, I'm aware of this area in my life. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me and I ask you to release me from it and give me urgency to serve you and to live for you. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Worship team, would you come? Just bow your heads for a moment. Worship team, when you come, would you just play something softly? And in a few moments, I'll give you an opportunity to lead us in a song, but just play softly. Your heads are bowed. And I wonder today if the Holy Spirit might speak to someone about an area in your life that you've just gotten casual with, an area in your own life that you've just grown complacent. And I don't know what that might be. It could be one of a dozen, of dozens of different things. But I'd ask you this this morning in these final few moments. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Would you just bow your head, maybe even just close your eyes, just, just for these moments what is the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart today? Heavenly Father, I pray that your Spirit would speak to us. I pray in these moments of reflection that God would find a grace and a strength to just be honest. Lord, help me, help us to humble ourselves before you, to not pretend, to not hide, to not try to act as if everything's fine, 
but Lord, just to humble ourselves and allow your Holy Spirit to reveal any area of our life that we've just gotten complacent. And Father, I pray you'd make it known right now across this room in the private confines of each heart that your Holy Spirit would speak. Is there something, is there some area in your own life, in your own walk with God, in your own family, in your own involvement in the church? Is there some area of your life? Maybe it's a responsibility at work. Maybe it's something to do with a neighbor or a friend. Is there some area of my life I've just grown complacent? I've just lost urgency. Well, the Lord, I believe and I pray it be so. Lord has given us the privilege to come and spend these moments with you today to just encourage you to just become aware of that to surrender that and to renew your effort in prayer to the Lord God Almighty Father give me urgency in my life as we step into this fall season as we step into this amazing opportunity Lord bring an urgency to my heart so your heads are bowed and I'll just ask this quickly I don't know if this is your custom or not I'm a guest here and so I'll just ask you when your heads are bowed just a moment of privacy if you're here today and say Pastor Tim as I sit in church this morning, it seems to me the Holy Spirit speaks to me about an area of complacency in my own heart. I'm aware of it, and I want God to change it. I want God to release me, to set me free. I want the urgency again. I want the fire. Maybe, maybe like it once burned. I want that urgency to worship, to serve, to be involved, to be faithful, to be active, to be on guard, to be at the ready. So if you're here today, I'd like to pray for you before Bonnie and I drive back down the highway and continue to pray for you here in Bathurst. I'd like to offer a closing prayer for anybody in the room that would say, Pastor Tim, you close in prayer, pray for me. There's some complacency in my life. The Holy Spirit makes it known. And I want to repent of that today and I want to give it to God and I want to, I want to pray that God would bring urgency to my life. If that's you, just slip up your hand quickly and then you can take it down. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, thank you. Thank God all over the room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right up and back down. Is there anybody else? Quickly, before I pray, Pastor Tim, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you, sir. There's some complacency in my life. and Oh, how I need urgency. Is there somebody else just before I pray? Thank you, man. God bless you. God bless you. Everybody in the room, let's stand together. Would you all stand with me? And would you just bow your hearts? And, and those of you that raise your hand, you know who you are. You know who you are. I want you to just agree with me right now. Just join your heart with me right now. Let's just repent together. Turn to the Lord. Ask his forgiveness. 
And let's ask him, oh God, let urgency, let fire come again into my life. Would you agree with me? Come on, let's pray. Father God, thank you for humility in the room today. Thank you for a humility that causes many to just humble themselves, raise their hand, acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're at work to renew us, to revive us, to strengthen us. So I pray in the name of Jesus, the Lord, for everyone in the room that raised their hand, that your Holy Spirit would just do a special work in their heart. Father, forgive us. Whatever it is, Lord, that we've become complacent about, Lord, our own devotional life, our church attendance, sharing our faith, or just our work ethic. Lord, being the husband, the the wife, the friend that you want us to be, whatever it is, God, that you're speaking, Lord, forgive us for the complacency. Forgive us for the deception. Forgive me, Lord, for the times that I have just grown lethargic about spiritual things. Forgive me, Lord. I don't want to live that way. Would you pray that with me right now? Just pray it in your own heart to the Lord. Lord, I don't want to live that way. I don't want this next season to be just a mirror of the last season. I want it to be different. I don't want the smoke of yesterday. I want the fire of tomorrow and today. Lord, set my life afire for you. Lord, bring some urgency to our hearts. Let us burn again. Let us act in faith. Let us be at the ready. Let us, as Jesus admonished us, watch and pray. So, Father, I pray this church would simply, in renewed passion, engage itself in this new season. To step in, to go all in, to believe you for good and great things in this new season. Father, I pray for urgency in my friends. I pray urgency for Evangel Bathurst. I pray urgency for Tim and Bonnie. Oh God, may we burn brightly for you in these days that we live. Father, we just pray you be glorified through and in it all. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Thank you for the privilege of being with you today. God bless you. Pastor Graham. Breakthrough team, those that are here that are part of our breakthrough team, I'll ask you to come uh, to the front right now. We have those that are amongst us that uh, want to have the opportunity to pray with you. If you desire to be prayed for right now uh, about this something that was brought up in this message or if there's anything that we can we can pray for you for, I encourage you to not hesitate, not to choose another day, but to seek seek for God to do something in your life today. I want to remind you as you're on your way out this morning, if you choose to slip out, don't forget to grab some of those Alpha invitation cards. And uh, once again, I challenge you, five people, think of five people or over the next few weeks invite five people to uh, Alpha and see what God might do in their life thank you so much for joining us both those that are online and in person and uh, feel free to slip out feel free to uh, encourage you to stay linger in the presence of God and and, 
and seek his face this morning. When the music